the world of Islam, culture, religion, and politics. Welcome. My name is Amin Tais, and this is the World of Islam podcast. Today, we discuss philosophy in the early Islamic centuries. Let's first remind ourselves that what would become the Islamic legacy was built on a creative negotiation with an already existing rich cultural heritage and intellectual heritage in the Near East and in the Mediterranean Basin. In that environment, Greek philosophy, particularly in its Hellenistic phase of interaction with the larger geographic environment, had captured the imagination of brilliant minds and had become an integral part of the larger Near Eastern legacies, including those of Iran, Syria, and Egypt. Alexandria, for example, had become a center of amazing cultural effervescence, in which mixed Greek speculation and mystical traditions from throughout the Near East, formulating, for example, the sophisticated and imposing legacy of what historians term Neoplatonism, initiated by the brilliant Plotinus, who died in 270, and by his disciples. And it is generally through the lens of this late brand of Greek philosophy that the conquering Arabs would mostly encounter the works of Plato and Aristotle in their Syriac translations. There existed many centers throughout the area in which Greek knowledge was pursued and its works translated into Syriac, which was the dominant language of the time. Such centers included Edessa, Haran, and Antioch. And it took a number of decades for translations into Arabic to become a strong feature of intellectual life. The patronage of the Abbasid caliphs and of lesser leaders played an important role in this process, as did many Christian scholars. Of note is the caliph Al-Ma'mun, who ruled from 813 to 833, Al-Ma'mun founded Bayt al-Hikmah, or the House of Wisdom, a center of study, translation, and open intellectual debate in Baghdad, and which was headed at one point by the greatest of all early translators of Greek philosophical and medical knowledge, Hunayn ibn Ishaq who died in 873, and who had a formidable translating team that included his own son, Ishaq ibn Hunayn. Later important names of Christian translators and philosophers of their own right included Abu Bishr Mata ibn Yunus, who died in 940, and who was a teacher of a major Muslim philosopher uh, by the name of Al-Farabi, 
that we will encounter in the next episode. And Yahya ibn Adi, who died in 974, who had many great Christian and Muslim students, including the Muslim philosopher and historian Ibn Miskaway, author of an important book on ethics called Tahdib al-Akhlaq, Refinement of Morals. A few notes must be highlighted here. Number one, the only major work of Aristotle not to have been translated into Arabic was the politics. Number two, some translated works were mistakenly attributed to Aristotle. The most important two were arguably, one, a translation of the paraphrase of the last three Aeneads of Plotinus, which were central in the development of what might be termed Islamic Neoplatonism, and two, the anonymously translated compilation containing parts of the elements of theology of Proclus of Athens, who died in 485, and that shaped the system of emanation from the One, and which will have a significant impact on various philosophical and mystical trends within the world of Islam. Number three, translation from the Persian heritage was not as impressive as translation from the Greek side. One must note, however, the focus in the Persian front on literary production, some of which had political overtones. An early example is the originally Indian fables translated from Persian by Ibn al-Muqaffa under the title Kalila Wadimna. Before ending this episode, I would like to briefly highlight what philosophy brought to the table in the early Islamic context. Unlike theology that we discussed in previous episodes, and that although it was influenced by Greek speculative thinking and insisted on the importance of human reason and rationality, was strictly tied to the starting point of revelation of the Qur'an. Philosophy brought to the table the independence of human reason and rationality and used it as a starting point and as a sufficient and for some superior mode of arriving at the truth. This, of course, did not sit well with more conservative forces and the philosophers, like the Mu'tazili theologians that we discussed in previous episodes, would suffer from the rise and eventual dominance of traditionalism in many corners of the Islamic context. We will continue discussing the subject of philosophy in the next episode. Thank you for listening. I leave you in peace. Assalamu alaikum.